Welcome back to KafaruCast, everyone. I am your solo host today, Aaron Snyder. Frank the Tank Peralta is probably fletching arrows, although he said he had some paperwork to do. And then we have super special guest, uh, Brian Call from the Gritty Bowman. Brian back from a recent uh, hog hunting trip where you shot a giant pig. Um He's also back from a lot of the shows that I did not attend, so I'm trying to stay away. So I, the whole idea of me not going to a show is not getting sick. So if he gets me sick now, it like defeated the whole purpose of that. But so Brian, how you doing? Good. I got real sick after that shot show. Streptococcus Oh, I haven't been that sick in a couple of years. So that sucked. Brinker got it. Sam Soholt. We we're all in that camp with Randy Newberg in Arizona. Where I Randy, shot that monkey thing. Randy's older, so he probably gave it to you. His immune system's probably down. Randy didn't get sick. Never mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a robust old dude. Pretty funny. Is he that addicted to Dairy Queen? Yes. Pretty bad. That's huh? not a fake thing. That's a real thing. He's he's a he's a good dude. Oh, he's super cool. He's funny. I mean, I've never had like long, dis- long time, like a lot of discussions with him, but little we've talked and what I've seen, he's super good dude. And yeah. I mean, good for, good for the sport as well. Yep. He's good for hunting, good for conservation. Um, and he's fun. He's, he's funny. Did he, uh, oh, Jordan's texting me back. I, um, I'm rocking my mountain ops, uh, coffee cup this morning and, uh, <laughs> We sent, I should have stuck my, uh, my pinky up. That would have been a little, you would have had to follow that with no homo. Generally. Yeah. That's not getting any better either. That goat film did well. Did it do good? I got, uh, I got to see it. Um, I've a lot of people been bugging me. Um, I'm supposed to kick you dead in the nutsack. <laughs> That's what he said. Great. <laughs> uh, there was no no homo attached to the back of that either. Uh, I've had a bunch of people. Nick Schmidt actually got a hold of me last night. Sorry, I didn't respond to you, Nick. I was busy, but he did ask when can I watch the video. So when can, when will that thing be? What do, or what are you doing with it? I guess. Well, I'm actually going to screen uh, show it tomorrow at that Basin and Bend. Uh, oh, the opening. Sh- yeah, yeah, the grand opening party that Eric is doing up there at his shop. He gives like 11 percent of his sales to conservation and in addition to like the Pittman Robertson act and all that cool dude, uh, in his shops right next to my house. Like you can see it from my house. So, but I'm going to show it there. Uh, but I just have to make a few changes to it before I make it public. Um, and just some minor stuff. And then I want to launch it with two other videos that are pretty much done as well. So I'm thinking three or four weeks, it'll be on YouTube. There you go, people. So don't ask me anymore. <laughs> and then, uh, but then I got a bunch of other ones where, so this, I'm, t- I'm kind of tired of making films, Aaron. Yeah, I can see that. So I'm just taking a lot of our footage, like that, uh, moose hunt we were on mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we got charged by the grizzly and, you know, caught, shot a couple moose and all that. That's just a, there's a lot of footage in there. Um, it's probably just more fun to watch, not in a film style. Yeah, just, just sections. Day one, day two, day three. And, yeah. and it's so much faster to just get that out. It's funny you bring that up because I was talking to Nate about this. Um, Nate's our IT guy. And I'm like, you're going to have to learn. There's some stuff that you can make epic and there's other shit. Just throw it up there. And because uh, – 
of course, I'm probably the wrong guy to ask because I'm going off of what I like to see. But, you know, Frank, he's not really of the – he doesn't really like the Donnie Vincent or Brian Call. The, mm-hmm. He just wants to see death, right? He wants to see kill shot and packing it out. Right. And me, I'm kind of in the middle. I like to see the journey. Like I like to photograph the journey, but I like to see everything from the gear to the scenery. And, you know, I like to watch it all. And so – but there's some – of course, this is my own opinion, but I think there's some things that should be made into, you know, a, a video. Mm-hmm. And there's other things. It's just I watched Born and Raised for the first time down at Broderick's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not. They didn't Donnie Vincent the shit out of it, right? <laughs> no. I mean, it's boom, boom. But I liked it. Like I was like, you know, and I don't know all those guys really well, but I'm watching it, and it's like they went in, okay. Three arrow, um, the ginger mm-hmm, misses mm-hmm. a spike, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, I've heard how you guys roll. You're done for the day. Like you're in the penalty box, and so immediately I'm like, man, and you did that on a spike. That's got to blow shit. So then you know the next guy's up, and it's mm-hmm. one day, two day, three day. I would much rather see their videos, for example, like that, because you're hearing and seeing everything that's going on. Where you know, and you're way better at this shit than I am. But for me, um. There might be certain times where voiceovers and, and epic like is right, better, right? But you know, with most stuff like that moose hunt, it's just day one, day two, day three. There was nothing epic about. It was a lot of rain and a lot of shitty weather. Well, um, and there was there wasn't a cameraman following us around, and no. so it's kind of hard to make that kind of film out of like a GoPro in your face. And yeah. so, yeah, I I'm on, I agree with you, and it's actually been quite fun to put the day to day stuff together. Because you can still throw on a little bit of edit and a little bit of film, but everybody expects it to be raw. And so I, I think it's also, some of that's for me and you. Yeah. 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 And when you take, let's say 10 hours of video and you offer somebody a 10 minute film, there's so much that is just left out. Yeah. And it's nice to just put 10 days of 10 hours or whatever you want to choose half yeah. hour a piece and just dump it, just yeah. dump the footage, let, yeah. let people consume it as they wish. Just put it out there. But I'll tell you this, two years of hunting film between you and I on a hard drive. Yeah. Not on public consumption is a waste of that asset. It doesn't do anything for anybody sitting there. So it's time to, and I'm a one man show. I don't have the time to edit films and do everything else. So this is a nice way to just get that footage out and share it with people. Yeah. And I mean, you was talking to the clums about this. Yeah. Um, I, I think, well, you and I don't now, but things are taken for granted when you live this lifestyle. Like you don't really realize I would like to watch a photographer every day because I need to learn shit, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I'm intrigued by it. And so I watch a lot of YouTube videos where maybe someone else might think they're boring where I'm like sucking it in. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. all right. And so like with the clums um, or Phil, you know, a day-to-day stuff for them is day-to-day and they don't like it. Where other people, I'm like, I think you guys should start showing some of that stuff. And I, I showed me releasing my you know, my, my shitty release, basically like you watch that bear hunt, which made me really start thinking I need to get a handle on this now. Uh, and so I just posted the, my shitty release and I did it more to let people know, like, yeah, not everyone, it's not Mm -hmm. a perfect world. Like I got problems too. I can hit stuff, but I got to work on my stuff where 
I think if I if I didn't post that or you didn't post when you first shot a back tension, kind of gives a false sense of you just you're just good. Totally. And I I'm I'm good with a compound, but I've got issues. I am not good. I can shoot good scores with the recurve, but let's face it, I, I got problems on my my release hand. So I'm like, mm-hmm. hey. And so then today we're gonna dump like what. Clum's going to teach, Tom Senior's going to teach me. And, you know, like the hunt, there was days that not a whole lot went on on the moose hunt, but it was good misery. And I think people can relate to it. <laughs> Some of my favorite video is when we're standing around the the moose antlers, boiling, in, <laughs> boiling them in 50 gallon drums uh, with wood fire underneath. We oh. picked up lots of chicks <laughs> after that from that smell, by the way. And the same is true with your first bear, recurve bear in BC, where we're skinning and gutting it, you know, up, we're just hanging out while Lamar's doing all the work and you're break dancing and stuff. And it's just, you know, I never published me shooting the bear. Yeah. yeah we yeah. have all that on video. Like there's so much that we haven't shared that's out there that I'm excited to get it out there. And yeah. you're just a funny dude, man. Putting a camera in front of you is easy because you just, things come out of your mouth that are off the wall or weird and, or funny mm-hmm. and it's just, or real. And, uh, probably a little of all that. Yeah. And the, and the issue that I'm running into is how real to keep it. You know, you put a few arrows in that elk. Um, and, uh, I thought you should have posted that cause that shit happens every year. Like I was, Oh, believe me. And I, I posted it and I got people saying a lot of people coming in and cause it's at the end of that podcast. Granted people listen to the podcast mostly. Yeah. Uh, but it's up for, for, for YouTube views if people want and people consumed that and they saw you, you put an arrow in it quite a while after you thought it was dead. Yeah. It started moving again. Yeah. (laughs) And, and that was a little disturbing if you're somebody that's not familiar with hunting and haven't killed a lot of animals. And a few people were like, I think that went too far. That didn't need to be shown. I didn't need to know that. And then you got the flip side. Well, we don't want to hide what hunting is and what that whole experiences and so i think born and raised does a good job they don't show everything but they show a lot yeah and i i am constantly battling the older redneck version of me the transformation and then the current version yeah and the older version of me just doesn't give a shit like whatever and then the transformation version of me was the photography teaching classes to backpackers, mm-hmm. the learning yeah, perceptions kind of important. And as well, a lot of that's with you and what I learned while I was on the podcast with you. And then the current, which is surrounded by um, a woman's family, most, not a most, a lot of them are antis right, that right. I've, I've converted and how I did that. And it wasn't sugarcoated. What it was, was a lot of comparing like, that animal lived its life in the wild, free. If I was a, a warrior, I'd rather die of the warrior's death, like not right. to not to what, rather than live in a cage and then die by a spike. Um, to- yeah, totally. And, and when you put it into perspective like that, even though that's, and I'm not saying I'm right, I'm just saying this is the way I did it. When you put it into perspective like that, as gruesome as it is, it's gruesome. And this isn't just, I mean, if you're a vegan and don't eat any meat, this isn't a great sales pitch. But if you're someone who eats meat and is anti-hunting, it's a very valid point. Like, hey, how would you like to live? Would you rather live the last 57 years in a cage or however long mm-hmm. or 
live a wild life. And then also I've been showing uh, Amy a lot of videos where the animal gets hit and there's no reaction. They just go and feed again or they don't know and they kind of stand there and they just fall over and trying to explain to them, they don't feel the same pain like humans yeah. feel. Like mm-hmm. shot that bull, the horn was sticking out of its side or whatever. Right. I showed her a video. We hit a caribou at 700 yards. It started eating again. Right. Heart shot. And he was like, hmm, what was that? And then he took a couple more bites and fell over dead. And I'm like, they don't. It's not. The, I'm not an animal, so I don't know. But yeah. I'm assuming it's not the same. Well, <clears throat> I there's very little that bothers me as a hunter and having done it my whole life. And just yeah, killing's part of this whole thing. But for those that are suburban families that never are subjected to it and think meat comes from a grocery store, you know, when I – I'll sh- I have a, a panel of folks that I'm like, hey, watch this film. How, you know, it's a good idea. How, how, do, how do you do when you're desensitized? You're it doesn't do any totally. good. Totally. Yeah. And then when that person sees it, they're like, mm, you know, I'll get some feedback, and then maybe I'll adjust a little bit according to that. But for the most part, I'm keeping it as raw and real as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like that. And I think, you know, for. Uh, which we're, by the way, we're going to bounce all over the place on this podcast. I don't expect anything direct at one time. Um, I think, though, that I think you're right. And I, I didn't get any feedback. And I don't, of course, the crowd I have is probably more desensitized, right? The feedback I got from that is, yeah, man, that I wanted to see the whole thing because it wasn't just taking an elk down. It was also our struggle for, oh. you know, with a recurve for seven days. And, and the fact that I missed that deer and starting out, and then I made a miraculous stock on a on a deer. You weren't there, but Frank was, and I met with you right after that. And then back in the woods we go last day, and the people that truly know me, that was about as an emotional as I get. And I, because I don't really show any emotion, not like, not like I'm a like I fake it and I'm a hard ass. Like my daughter sent me a video the other day of her running track. I about broke down in tears, but it takes. A lot for that yeah. to happen with that elk. It was close where I was like, <laughs> so yeah, that was probably some of the most, most uh, emotion I've seen ever from you ever. Even that morning before you killed the elk up to the, it was just, Oh, you want to talk about self doubt? Cause I don't fail at shit. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not good at it. And when I say that I fail at things all the time, but I mean, something I've put that much hard work into, I'm not accustomed to not succeeding as, right. as arrogant as that probably sounds i just if you put that much time and effort into something so i'm sitting there and we had that that song all remi- always reminds me of that morning it's bob dylan shelter from the storm yep i had that me song too. on and i was like i could go home without an elk we've done everything right we've put the effort in maybe it's just not going to pan out like you know whatever right like all those things go through your mind and and i try not to give a false like, if I do stuff wrong like that release, I just try to show it, you know, and you did a great job as well. Like, there's struggles. Like, when you're shooting a back tension, you're like, yeah, this is not good yeah. initially, right? And and so I want people to know, because a lot of the stuff gets faked on, in my opinion, on TV. You don't see every, and you don't want to see everything, but you can see some stuff. So you posted that like, like it was. We're in the tent, and I remember my head was down just thinking, I am not good at this. Like, I really am not bad i'm not mentally prepared to not kill an elk like i i haven't not killed an elk in right. years right and it was hard right it was <laughs> yeah there was uh it was a goal 
that, and you're very goal oriented. I am too. It gets really, it doesn't go well when, when those goals are, when we fail. Um, and no one, I don't think it, it didn't help that the world was watching. Mm -hmm. And then that just adds, you know, intensity to your failure, like a magnifying glass on it. Well, Paul, Paul, uh, you've met Paul Gustafson, like super close friend. Um, mm -hmm. He's brought that up before, like how much that has affected me or did affect me and, and did it. I, and I told him it never affected me like like I say pressure doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect how I perform, but it certainly adds a whole different variable that I'm not used to, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're used to performing under pressure well. And right. you're not performing. <laughs> you know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. And, and there's no matter how much I'd like to say, nothing bothers me. Uh, I will say I'm better at shoveling stuff off my shoulders than than most. Like, yeah. a, but me sitting there, usually killing elk the first day or two a season, mm -hmm. putting more effort in, practicing more. I mean, we hiked all over Hell's Half Acre. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but for me. Um, watching you shoot the recurve at the range, watching you practice, and then walking around the woods, shooting at things, hunting with it, hunting in for bear, you know, going out now, you, 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 you miss some mule deer, but then you shot a mule deer and there's this seesaw of, of, of success with this recurve. Yeah. It's a roller coaster roller of emotions. Coaster, right. Yeah. And the mule deer you shot was like at five feet. No, it was like 15 inches, but yeah, it was close. Okay, but yeah. Well, like, and I only say that because that was an all-time high. I've never done that with a car. Well, <laughs> and see, my point though is you got close. Yeah. You got that that bear shot was probably one of your furthest shots. Mm -hmm. The the mule deer was the farthest. The bear was 22, maybe. Okay, yeah, the mule deer was like 38. It was a poke, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So, but we hadn't got to that Alberta mule deer yet. And we so, were still in the green stage. <laughs> so for me, it's like it started to become as we called elk in and as opportunities would come and go and we get close. There was we can't help, you know, people, some folks hate it when you say this, but there would have been success early in this trip. Things would have been deader than fried chicken day one, day two, day three, day four. And nothing was dead yet. It started to feel like that recurve was was a, like this undoable challenge. Right, which I was accustomed to Overcoming. pretty much immediate success with the compound. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was pretty much like, oh, there's an elk and I'll shoot it. And then all of a sudden it's like there's 15 elk and I didn't even get to shoot one yet. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and that's, yeah. that's real. So as, as we got toward the last day of the hunt, I'm like, freaking A, man, this is not – this is – it started to feel somewhat impossible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I know it's not impossible, but it started to feel like killing an elk with a recurve on this public land OTC kind of thing is not possible. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would agree because I was thinking, I've scouted this unit. I know the unit. We know elk. We've been into elk. We've had multiple opportunities, and I still haven't got it yeah. done. And and there was multiple. I wounded one. We had one at what was that one, 16 yards? Yes. And, and I remember you were like, why didn't you shoot? And I'm thinking, <laughs> why didn't I shoot? I should have probably just winged an arrow at it because I had a gap. Mm -hmm. But with that, with the recurve and the uncertainty, and I've I've talked to Clay Hayes many times about this, mm -hmm. which we'll go off on a totally <laughs> different tangent. 
the other day when I talked to him, uh-huh. one of the final things he said, and I got to be, which you know how I can be irritated. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, but if you would have waited three years on your third year, none of this would have happened. You'd know. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I fucking have said from the beginning. Your first year is a problem. Yeah. And one of the problems is when that elk came in, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. Okay. I generally, with the compound, I would have already been at full draw. And when it came in the opening. Oh, when it came head on. Yeah. You'd have been at full draw when it was 80 yards back. It would have walked to 20. Yeah. Well, it got to like 16 or 17. Yeah. And it was like 48 or 68 or 80, whatever. Mm-hmm. When I first saw it and it came through, I had 50 times to draw a compound back. Yeah. And then it got to 16 or 18 or whatever. And I'm like. Now's the time. Do, do I draw now? Should I draw now? Can I make that shot? Because it was, you know, a tight. And I'm like, okay. You're awful close. He sees oh. you move. And that's it. inevitably what happened is I started to raise my bow up and he, mm-hmm. he bounced. And, but I'm thinking if he takes two more steps, his head's behind that tree, right. I'll smoke him. Well, he and The didn't. wind he just, was shifting everywhere. It, and it's all unknowns. And, and that was the podcast I got bashed for the most or whatever was the first year with the track, yeah. you'll miss or wound, which you will, right? I mean, I don't know how else to explain it because you don't know. You don't know yeah. the whitetails down in Alabama. You don't know what you can get away with, which isn't much, right? Right. And so after the the mule deer miss, and then um, I went back out, I told Frank, I was like, I got to get close. And I mean close. close. I didn't expect that close. But when that deer bedded, I thought, well, looking at it, I can get 15 yards and I should be able to, you know, smoke it from there. And it, it turns out I got on top of it. And then you have this peak, right? You're at the top of the mountain and you're like, okay, this is doable. It's it's. This was an awesome thing. It was yeah. a good deer. It can be done. And then I wounded an elk like three days, two days later. Mm-hmm. Um, and talk <laughs> like this is, you know, far as roller coaster of events. I hit that. It's snowing and raining. Follow it up. I didn't have my rangefinder in my bino harness. I, I took it off where we were at just for the simple fact I was trying to keep everything out of the rain. When I hit that immediately because it was raining, I'm like, I don't know where I hit it. I need to follow it. And I stayed behind it. And, and people have heard this story. I walk up and there's 18 or 20 some bulls right. in one group. I have no range finder. I'm not sure which elk I even hit. I should have upgraded, but I didn't. Um, you didn't know how wounded that bull was. No, no. And I wasn't sure. Wh- could and be, if could be dying right there. If if I would have seen that it was a leg hit mm-hmm. or, or whatever, and I still would have probably you know, looking at it, of course, we still shot the same elk, but you're like, okay, now I don't have a range finder and these elk are at that range where mm-hmm. I probably need one. And then, you know, wind shifted, they all blew out, whatever. So all time low. I, and you saw me, I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> we got to find this elk. Like, yeah. anyway, and then, you know, yeah, you're at the bottom, the low lows. And then two days later, last day, we yeah. killed a bull. When that bull, I mean... Going up there, we it was our last play, really was, and it was like, dude, we have played this bull twice already or three times. Three times, yeah. So here we are, like number four, trying to kill this one bull that we know is hiding out in this spot. And for it all to come together and then for him to just come charging in at that range and you to make the shot in that moment. And, I mean, you couldn't – it's like I can't describe the feeling of just – accomplishment and I wasn't even the shooter, you know? Yeah. But it just like, it, it happened with this primitive seemingly impossible tool. Yeah. And, and we got that close finally. 
And it's not like these elk are dumb. Yeah, these ones are pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) They're pretty wired. I mean, we run into hunters up on the mountains. They're chased all the time. They know it's hunting season. They're not stupid. They're not, they're not the type that just come charging into a a few calls. Yeah. They're pressured. So. Well, and Broderick was the same way when I was on his mule deer hunt. It was the same way you probably were behind me with the elk. I'm right over the top of his shoulder Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking, this is going to happen. Like, and it's not only going to happen, it's going to happen close. And it's basically the same distance, 12 yards or whatever shot my bull. And then you're at a high of highs. You're like, wow, the impossible has become possible. And I get questions constantly about the season, right? And in mm-hmm. Alabama, how have you become that successful? Well, in Alabama, I can say there's deer everywhere and Broderick put the tree stands up for me. I, Other than hitting the animal, I did very little other than walk to the stand. But hard work, right? I mean, yeah. we never, we didn't stop. We kept going. And even though mentally getting, you know, I mean, your bow wasn't any different. We all had Giardia. I mean, got sicker than shit and we kept going. Yeah. Um, I had it later than you, but if you just keep at it and try to make the smartest decisions you can, eventually it'll pan out. It may not pan out every time, but I mean, I would say hard work was the, the number one factor in quite a bit of those, you know, animals. Not quitting. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's like not quitting, getting yourself up in the morning, going through the motions, putting in the effort. And you never know. The thing with a hunt is it can change in a second. It can go from seemingly impossible, nothing's worked, you haven't seen a single animal, to success all in the, in like moments. Yeah. No, that's for, for sure. And I think that uh, this year, you know, I'm trying to get a handle on – what I learned from 16, you know, I'm trying to get a handle on certain things because, you know, you're constantly learning with the recurve. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's an epic constant learning problem. <laughs> um, and one of the things I've tried to learn is the fact that even though I can shoot really well, right, that doesn't mean I'm shooting really well with great form where it can't be improved upon. Like I shot a one spot target the other day and shot a score that I'm finding out is phenomenal. I mm-hmm. didn't know that at the time. But I did it with a pretty shitty release hand, like right. I'm not clean. And so we're working on that today. And I want to get to a point where, you know, if I can, if we go in the woods like the 16, it was kind of more of a 30, 70, like a 30% might happen, 70% probably not going to happen. That's mm-hmm. not the way we looked at it, but that's probably how it was. Right. <laughs> and uh, to where it's more catered to the 70, 30, let's say, like yeah. as long as, you know, at that moment, I can, you know, come through and not screw anything up. I would, I would like, if I fail, I would like it to be things that weren't, were out of my control, if that makes sense. What made you decide to go back to the recurve? Because I can remember after that season was over and you were like, okay, back to the compound, screw this, this stuff. It's, it's just frustrating. Yeah. You have yep. so much control, so much power over your hunt and your experience with the compound. And you're like, I'm going back to that. Well, there, the, the first thing, which will catch a little bit of, not flack, but because I'm not a great trophy hunter, that mule deer in Alberta. I mean, I don't know if you saw where I shot it, but it was pretty it, difficult. It, that was right? an epic stock. Um, and then I walked up and shot the deer and, and what made me probably successful from that was the recurve before and you know that better than anyone i'm not exactly stealthy like my shooting ability far carries will carry my stealthiness because it was fun to see you develop that 
patience and that skill because yeah, did. I, didn't ha- I didn't have to have it. I'm, I mean, and it's not like it's a gimme every time with the compound because I'll, I'll miss. I, I miss the goat, but I mm-hmm. don't miss too often. Um, the goat was a bit of a variable Dude, the, that I that wasn't. That goat was like a bizarre, perfect storm of weird, you know. Challenges. Yeah. That was a tough shot, dude. I, I don't know if you had a target and you set it up. If you could, how long it would take to recreate trying to make that shot? Yeah, just the 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 upwind was the yeah. big variable that it, for once in a long long time I didn't know what to do. I right. was like Bart's looking at me saying, "Aim at the same spot," and I'm like, "You have no idea by how much I missed." <laughs> I guess like I really right. don't want to aim in it. I didn't miss from bad form. That arrow just didn't hit where I aimed, right. and either something has something's, moved or something's wrong. Yeah. But I think uh, that mule deer, my adrenaline didn't go up. I didn't get, I didn't really get pumped up at all. Um, was one thing, and I'm like, huh. And then Broderick later on that day, my excitement level from when I shot my own buck to when Broderick shot his was multiplied by a hundred with Broderick killing one with a stick. So that was part of it. Um, then the next thing, obviously, or or whatever, was just kind of thinking, all right, a lot of these chuckleheads that I flicked me shit or you, both mm-hmm. of us, really doesn't matter what they think. They're a, not always, but a, a crowd that probably doesn't cater to the younger generation that may be getting into traditional archery. Um, and I really need to focus if I'm going to do this on getting the younger crowd in, or not necessarily the younger, yeah, the, the crowd that doesn't know about it, intrigued about it, and, and let them know. Not only what I learned, but the maybe the feeling I got from being successful. And I've had, I won't say haters, but I've had people comment, well, why don't you just try to shoot bigger animals? I'm like, you know, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, I'm not mentally capable. I'm just, I don't know how to say it other than I am not capable. I can hold out a little, but not <laughs> uh, not much. I mean, no. I'm not going to shoot like a, not, a forked horn with my compound, but, but, but it's he, not in me. Well, and here's here's what here's my observation. Right, right, I could be wrong, but the reason that's not in you is because it doesn't excite you. No, it does. Oh, Alex, the guy hunted Eastern Colorado. Mm-hmm. We had a a legit um, one high one ninety buck. Yeah, we were stalking in on it, and uh, then you know a, a deer or two later, just as excited as a deer forty inches smaller. Right, and he's like, the size doesn't really get you going, does it? And I'm like, not so much, no, yeah, and, not really. Because most hunters, I think, they go one of two ways. A guy goes out, and it, it the hunt starts to become easy. Mm-hmm. It's not challenging anymore. And yeah. I, I believe human beings, especially hunters in general, most want to be challenged. They yeah. want it to be hard. That's why they choose to hunt whatever method they do. So if a guy goes out with a compound um, and it starts to become fairly easy for him to kill an animal and bring home the meat for the freezer, usually it gets to a point where he's not feeling challenged. So there's one of two things that happen. Either he reduces his reliance on technology, Mm -hmm. picks up a recurve or stick bow or something and makes the hunt harder. Mm -hmm. Or he keeps all that technology at his disposal, but tries to hunt an older and older animal. Mm -hmm. Each one presents a challenge and fulfills that person. It makes them excited for the challenge, makes them excited for the opportunity. The problem for you is a 190-inch buck doesn't do make you excited. Like, it doesn't change your excitement level at all. And so 
that type of adding that element to the challenge doesn't really get your trip your trigger. No, it 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 doesn't. Um, and and I I know people have a hard time believing that, but you've seen it. Frank's seen it. Many you don't people care, have seen dude. it. You don't care. I've watched you a million times. Go, sh- you 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 just want the chase. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, this. Um, I mean, you appreciate a big animal. You're like, whoa, that's big. With what you're saying, or like the the antler size doesn't matter, or wh- whatever the case may be. Being mm-hmm. a bit of an adrenaline junkie on my end to go along exactly with what you said, if the size of the animal, and I mean, I'm sure I get a little bit more excited over a bigger one than a doe, but a 160 and a 180, no, no, doesn't change anything. Well, the one thing that happened with me um, is uh, I ended up shooting pretty big animals for the simple fact I had to wait longer anyway. Mm -hmm. And so that deer, maybe that was at 60, which is completely unattainable with a recurve, um, unless I'm just poking hope, playing arrows. Yeah. I got to wait. And mm-hmm. in that time of waiting, a bigger deer may just happen by me or whatever. I saw that so many times with the recurve in hand. And, and that, it, and it, it happened in Alabama. Um, of course, I shot it in the horn, but um, that just happens. And I'll shoot at that time. I'm not going to shoot a 160 over a 180, but because you have to wait so freaking long most of the time, a lot of other things happen. That, like like Broderick mm-hmm. says, he hunts the shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so with the recurve in hand, you're looking for the shot. And it just so happens that often it seemed that your best opportunity came with a pretty old, older age class animal uh, where you could sneak up on it in a bed or something where it just seemed with a, re- with a compound in hand on day one, a forked horn walks out and it's in your range, not my range. Yeah. It's in your range and, and it's it's like trying to hold back an ocean tide to oh, stop right. you from shooting it. Yeah. Well, and I say, I will say, fork and horn, no, but raghorn bull. Yeah. yeah definitely. I, yeah. A, 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 a four or five point within reason. I've passed a few things up for the most part, depending upon the moment. It could be a pretty freaking small animal, like depending upon where I'm at and that. Well, the moose hunt was a prime example in that space and place and time. It, Different things trip your trigger at different times. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. <laughs> I, I think at times you're just, you feel an adrenaline rush and an excitement. And you're like, this is it. Yeah. And then other times you don't and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it. It's not, you're not that explainable, Aaron. No, my brain works weird. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is is probably challenge or goal oriented. A mm-hmm. lot of it could be at that, where we're at on the mountain. You yeah. know what I mean? Like could be anything. I can say with the moose, it was a hundred percent weather dictated um like i I literally would have shot almost anything that day i shot that big bull now the bull i shot happened to be a big bull but i i about shot bullwinkle yeah i mean it devin thought i was i was kidding at first and i'm like dude that thing crosses that river it's it's gonna die and he was like ha 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 and i'm like i'm not kidding i'm i mean i'm done with freezing and snowing and i don't want to float down this river Uh and i really as we, I just wanted the meat anyway. Right. Like that was the big thing for me is I wanted to take the meat home. That's why we drove the damn trailer up there. Or the freezer. Yeah. So yeah, it could, it yeah. could be many different things. I feel that way for me though. Um, I get excited about an older animal mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to end my hunt. Um, it's, it, I always want the freezer full, but if it's full, it's, it's the pull to, to shoot, whatever comes at the first opportunity, it decreases dramatically. Yeah. And part of it's a combination of, 
I want the challenge of, of shooting an older animal, but I also don't want the hunt to end. Well, and I, I've had people bring that up to me with me and you, my hunt never ends for three months. Like yeah. that's one of the things that you'll go on another one the next, but this day. is new for me. Yeah. Like, I've never done this before. And, and, and I, people have asked, doesn't it bother you to hunt? And I'm like, the hunt never ends. It does not stop. And for, from August, which you do December. <laughs> it, it's like, as soon as you get back, someone yeah. will call you and say, let's go here. Do you want to go there? And you already have something booked a week or so after that, even like you're, you're, you don't have a shortage of hunt opportunities. No, I don't. And he, and with me, as you know, photographing and helping is just as fun as, is shooting. Now I will say that changes a little bit with the recurve. Cause I'm really the, the excitement for a compound left me long ago. And as you know, bows would show up. I wouldn't even hardly put it together where like right now I'm all geeked up on the recurve thing. Part of it is too, when you're not good at something, I was talking to Rogan about this the other day. He goes, I won't ever pick it up because I'm not very good at not being good at something and I'll yeah. be addicted. Yeah. And so, I mean, and there is a, I say mythical, there is kind of a reverence about the, I guess that's right. Yeah. Reverence mm -hmm. that Hitchens said, I'm not very reverent, um, a reverence about that recurve, you know what I'm compared to a compound when you, when you take an animal. Yeah. Um, well, I, but anyway, to answer is we've gone on several squirrels part those, those things were part of it. The, the, the crowd where I'm like, I don't really give a shit what they think. I'm trying mm -hmm. to get younger guys in or guys that don't know that are not young. Um, and then the, uh, that, that site, I told you when that site came out, I was like, you know, you're talking about the Garmin zero, the Garmin zero. And uh, I'm not anti Garmin zero by any means, but you know, I'm real big on field craft and everything else. And I saw that and I'm like, you know, I should probably try and focus on, um, I don't want to say taking a stand because it's not taking a stand, but maybe, um, you know, being a, a, a spear of influence to people to help them with field craft or help them with tuning or help them. And, and technology, there's nothing wrong with it because I use technology all the time. But if I can, you know, kind of limit myself and say, hey, a lot of the reasons I'm still successful with a recurve, I feel, is the ability to stay in the woods and, and mental strength or whatever else, and that people should work on those things. Um, I mean, and there's a few, you know, other things, but uh, adrenaline's a big one. I get adrenaline out of it. Yeah. I, I read some shit that Cal wrote the or was talking about. The, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Cal's lying because Cal's – I mean, I'm a different – cat right cal is definitely a different cat ryan callahan ryan callahan but he was talking about basically two perspectives i guess you could say on on hunting and are you are you hunting for the thrill or are you hunting because it's anyway i'm thinking for me i'm an adrenaline junkie and i'm i like to eat animals um mm -hmm. and i like I, I i i like that experience and and as you know the pack out for me it's important, like, unless you haven't suffered until you've packed an elk out and you haven't, you haven't lived. And that's yeah. part of it too, where Cal kind of, you know, explained it a lot different than I would have, but it's kind of, I would put it, if you go play golf and the ball never goes in the hole, mm -hmm. you're a shitty golfer and you're probably not having much fun. And your goal is to get that ball in the hole. Right. I think a lot of people believe that technology, a new technology is going to make them successful. I think human beings in general fall into that trap, but you can buy it. And yeah. It's easy, easy, easier attained. But like you said, you're going to kill animals, whether you use a compound or a recurve. 
because your skill set isn't doesn't come down to that weapon. Yeah, you know, yeah. all these other things have to fall in place for for you to to get to the point where you kill something. It's not overly easy to tip an animal no, over. Yeah. No, and so to me, you know, it's like people have this idea, like, oh, if we add this new tech, now all of a sudden I'll be successful. It doesn't work that way. Like with this Garmin Zero, I don't care if anybody uses it or doesn't use it. I don't need to use it. I killed animals my whole life without it. I think it I would can hurt you. I can keep killing animals yeah, yeah. with or without it. Yeah. My my thing is this technology discussion, it, there's new tech every day that comes out on the market. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a way to manage that. And so far I haven't heard a – a good take on it. You know, you mentioned to me yesterday, you're like, look, I feel like this could be a shortcut, yeah. you know, add this to your side and it replaces hard work. Well, a perceived shortcut. Yeah. 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 And my response was, it's true. Uh, but it's endless because a rifle, a, a bow hunter can say that to a rifle hunter, rifle hunter. That's a shortcut mm-hmm. for good skills. You don't get, and a recurve hunter can say that to a compound guy. Hey, man, that compound is a shortcut and it kind of goes forever. But then you said, well, the reverse is true too. Because when does it stop? Where do you draw the line in the sand? I mean, do, do, is, do we just say yes to like heat seeking missiles? Well, and I think on elk or deer, you know, a panel of people to, I was thinking about this last night after we talked because I don't think that site's going to. I mean, I'm not bashing the site. I just don't think it's going to do the shit people think it's going to do. Right. It's not. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not saying it's not going to perform how it's supposed to perform. I think it would cater more for a tree stand hunting system than a Western hunting system. But um, I think a a panel of people um, when as tech grows, Mm -hmm. you've got, let's say, the the clay hay side, which is, you know, let's put a flint on a stick and (laughs) kill some shit. And then you've got the far left side of. There is no limit, right? Yeah. And then everything in between and you look at it and everybody speaks their, you know, throws their you know, right. case to the court and you choose if it's allowed in the industry and when, you know, or yeah. allowed in the seasons and when. Can I, he, I, I've been thinking about it too, because I've been getting hammered. I get a lot of positive feedback, but of course, when you tackle something controversial like this, you're going to get people who just hate your guts. And, and I don't think they understand my viewpoint on technology mm-hmm. they're completely misreading it or misunderstanding it. and maybe that that's my fault and how i explain it but for me this is how technology to me this is how we should look at it mm-hmm. right does the technology new technology comes out on the market does it have a negative impact negative ecological or environmental impact if the answer yeah, is no on harvest ratios yeah no just just period it doesn't hurt the environment it doesn't oh, hurt yeah, animals yeah. doesn't hurt doesn't hurt the water system whatever like dynamite and poison are probably not technology we should be using right yeah i got right? you so it doesn't have a negative impact two does it reduce animal suffering yeah if if it reduces animal suffering that's that's a good thing we all want animals to die as quickly and painlessly as possible it's it's a good thing. I brought that up yesterday with lighted knocks, even though I don't use them. Yeah. It's a good tool, I yeah. think. But. It can reduce animal suffering. And then the third part is, does this technology increase harvest rates to the point that it decreases hunter opportunity? Mm-hmm. I agree with everything you just said. 
Because at that point, you should, if it's yes, if it increases success, increases harvest rates to the point where it decreases hunter opportunity, yeah, then maybe that tech doesn't belong in bow season. Well, it belongs in rifle season or it belongs in muzzleloader season or crossbow, but it just doesn't belong in bow hunting. Well, and I think, uh, which is weird, a lighted knock does not inc- increase the ability to hit the animal, right? It doesn't help it, you shoot the deer. Right. All it does is help you find the arrow or right. potentially see the deer run off. A light on your sight, now that's a whole different ball game. Coming from a guy that may have bent the rules in previous years, it's a game changer in low light, in a blind specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are, and when I say that, meaning... Even though it says 30 minutes after sundown, sometimes 15 minutes after sundown, it's dark as shit. Yeah. And that's when animals will come out where most people aren't capable of shooting, even if it's technically still in legal shooting limits. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not. There's some fine print in there, but you know what I mean. Like, that's when the the animal doesn't know that the hunters can't hunt anymore at a certain time. They're going off light, right? Yeah, yeah. They're going to come out. And that light on that pin is mm-hmm. a game changer. Um, so that would increase harvest, in my opinion, low light harvest success or a ratio. R- right. Like, I totally agree. Like A light is not going to do shit. Right. <laughs> I totally agree that certain technology, it doesn't matter, you, you name it, it'll increase success rates. Otherwise, why are you using it? Why are you right. using GPS? Why are you using ATV? Why are you using, you know, Google Earth? Why are you using a rangefinder? Right. A sliding pin sight. You Which know? I would say the rangefinder is probably the the number. It's, it's a the game top. changer. Yeah, dude. it's the top. If 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 you have, you know, somebody wrote in yesterday and said, um, you know, I think this site has no business being uh, in Western hunting. Send it back to Texas. Mm-hmm. And you know, I looked at the dude's page and it seems like a killer dude i'd probably love to go hunt with him yeah but he's using uh, the most advanced compound bow got a sliding pin sight he's got a range finder he's got carbon arrows the best broadheads money can buy you know he's out there and i'm like you're using the same technology just you're still ranging your object and you're still using a sliding pin sight to get pinpoint accuracy to make shots yeah yep and he's like, yeah, I do. I just, I just often don't use it because I can kill animals with three pins and gapping. Yeah. I'm like, but you still have the tech and you still use it when you need it. And to me, it comes back down to that analysis because we'll reject. It's like if it doesn't, if it makes animals suffer less, if it doesn't hurt the environment and it does not increase harvest rates to the point where you reduce hunter opportunity, then who cares? Yeah. No, and that makes perfect sense. And I think like, and, and we were talking about this last night, comparing that site to like a rangefinder and binoculars to me isn't the same because you're, you're skipping a pretty big step in range. Oh, it saves precious moments. Right. I just, there's other things. I, I use the rangefinder for a lot of other things that could technically be considered cheating because I range my way to the animal and I know when I get to this rock, it'll be this distance or whatever. Um, But I just don't think that that site's one of those things. I I personally don't like the site and I don't like it because it has to do with increased harvest ratios. There's too much shit that can go wrong with it is Mm. why I don't. Now in a controlled environment. You're the guy that doesn't take a GPS that likes a compass and a map. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's not not just that, but the, and that's definitely Things can part go of wrong. it. Yeah, I'm more of a keeper safe guy. You mm-hmm. know, like safe, better be safe than sorry. And uh, with that site, there's some in- inherent issues that could happen with it in Western or I hate the word extreme, but extreme yeah. Western hunting. The horse thing. I don't know how it handles yeah. a horse ride. What weather? You know, rain, snow, cold. What? And 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 the simple fact that what I've been using works for me, and why would I change anyway? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's extremely you know debatable because I've had a ton of people ask me, and I'm like, you know, I don't have anything against it. I'd never put it on my bow. Why would I? I can judge yardage to the yard, right? Like not all the time, but no. You know, but I would have never shot that mule deer in Alberta without a rangefinder. I don't think I would have killed it. Well, and so. You know, I was talking to uh, Iron Will, Bill, yeah, uh, Vanderheiden yesterday. He's a, a he's a mechanical engineer. Yep. And he was describing the, you know, how you design the Iron Will broadhead. Yeah. And yeah. mechanical engineering on a compound bow, arrows, broad, you know, broadhead flight and fletchings and the whole deal from mechanical engineering. He's talking a very about, intelligent man. Yeah, and we're talking about how freaking advanced mechanically engineered the bow is the modern compound bow mm-hmm. to the point where you can have accuracy, you know, hundred, 120 yards. If it's all in the human element that makes it, but you can have every arrow hit the same exact spot. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. If, if you're that kind of shooter. And so the, the mechanical tech is incredible, but then there's electrical engineering and with electrical engineering, you come out with like what a rangefinder is. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people, I, I hear this all the time. They're like, yeah, this, because it's electrical, it doesn't belong in the bow at all. It's too advanced. It's, a, it's electrical. Mm-hmm. And they have this kind of arbitrary line where they draw a line on, well, that's electrical. So it's no longer advanced. It's, it's passing primitive. primitive yeah. I'm like, dude, you left primitive way back. Well, when a you compound. left your house, you left primitive too. I mean, you drove there, but yeah. Yeah. And so a compound bow, there's, you're delusional if you think a compound bow is in any way like primitive hunting. Right. No, and, and, I, and so to me, it's like arbitrary to say we're okay with all this advanced mechanical engineering, but we're not okay with adding electrical engineering to a bow. And to me, it's like you have this bow that can shoot to exact precise yardage, but you still have this ancient kind of sight, mechanical sight attached to it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to add to me, to add that if people want it. And for me, if it gets more people into the sport, if it gives a few people a little more success, that's good. But like I said, people are upset. Some people are upset with me because they're like, well, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? And dude, I'm like everybody else. I don't want my hunting opportunity to go down because some new bow came on the market that makes everybody way more successful. I I, I can stick with what I got and keep my hunting opportunity because I can get it done during that time of year. Yeah. Well, so, to kind of to add to what you're mm-hmm. saying with the not a devil's advocate. Yeah. With the compound bow, the shooter has to be capable of of tuning, of shooting, of whatever for for it to receive its its max potential. Yeah. Meaning, there's probably not going to be too many people people can shoot a hundred yards accurately. Um, with the electrical portion of it, it is. 100% right all the time minus batteries dying and everything else. Now, in some cases, both have to intertwine. You have to keep your head out of your ass on the shot, and the electrical stuff has to not fail you because of those things. But I, I do agree, which is why I'm shooting a stick now. Yeah. 
my ability as a bow hunter probably surpassed primitive long ago, both me and the bow. Right. right? Not on a bragging aspect because I'm not a trophy no, hunter, but I can hit shit a long ways away and do it pretty consistently. I see you shoot things that I'm like, it's just no, I can't do it. Well, and I think that <laughs> not that I've always had this, but being able to, 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 tune the bow right like yeah i can tune really well and so i can get broadheads to hit um and then shooting form I, i've got decent enough form that i can actually make it hit the same spot mm-hmm. and then i don't get too twitter pated um when i shoot at an animal which is another a bonus to where you, it takes out the, the 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 mental screw up where I, I haven't gotten that out of the recurve shot yet yeah. so all of those things combined, um, it, it takes all those things to be able to hit an animal far with the compound where I could see somebody, which I don't, don't totally agree with, saying, well, the electrical portion of it uh, takes the human error out of it. Now, I don't think this site does that completely because um, there's a lot of other negative sides to it. I don't disagree with anything you're saying because if it screws up harvest you know, if basically if it raises the heart, like the compound did in Oklahoma, totally skyrocketed, they need to get rid of it. They need to get rid of a, not a compound, a, the a crossbow. crossbow. I think crossbows need to go away in any bow season unless you are handicapped. And yeah. Then, I told you, I shot, I, the first crossbow is, I played with is Texas. Yeah. You crank that bolt in first time, never had your hands on it before. You get behind a target, you aim at 90 yards, bullseye. There's no way in hell you're doing that with a compound bow. No, not in the first shot. No, not in your first shot ever. No. So to me, that is not the same technology. That That is a whole different animal. And so that will increase harvest rates to the point where it decreases hunter opportunity. And therefore, it does not belong in bow season. Right. No, and I, I, I don't – and this is another thing, Clay, and I have argued about a few times. Yeah. Um, Harvest statistics haven't changed a whole, whole lot in any state. They've changed a little. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is how many guys that are reporting those are even telling the truth. Because right. there's there's a case to lie when the Department of Wildlife calls you for both sides. Mm-hmm. If not that many people are successful, okay, um, then that means when people go from out of state or in state and look, they're like, oh, the success rate sucks there which means I get to keep hunting it with less people. Or there's a reason to lie about it, and maybe they'll accept less tags, meaning as an in-state hunter, maybe I'll get to hunt it more. Right. So the harvest statistics aren't exactly foolproof because I know people, a lot of them, that lie their ass off for their own personal reasons every year, which I'm not agreeing with. But they haven't changed a whole lot in most states. Some states they have um, mm-hmm. with all the technology. Now, to keep things fair, I don't care if they take away rangefinders. As long as they take them away from everybody, because then we're on the same playing field. Right. Because you go against a guy with the rangefinder and without, I mean, that's like a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> oh, it's dude. a game changer. Yeah. And and, and <clears throat> this is my point, though. Back to the first two things about a te- technology, you know, does it have a negative impact? No. Okay, great. Does it reduce animal suffering? Yes. I think if if those, everybody, every hunter can agree on those two things. Mm-hmm. That those two things are good. We don't want to negative imp- negatively impact the ecology or the environment. We don't want to. We don't. We 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 all want to strive to reduce animal suffering, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't think I don't. I think it's a no brainer to approve technology that allows those two things, as long as, like I said before, 
it doesn't, that tech does not increase harvest rates to the point where it decreases hunter opportunity, because then that becomes a discussion about, okay, this tech doesn't belong in this category. Right. Move. It needs to be moved to this other category or just written out altogether. Yeah. No, and when I, I look at that. this site from Garmin, I'm like, I, I, for the life of me, and you correct me if you're, if you think I'm wrong, I do not see this site increasing harvest rates to the point where it decreases opportunity. I just can't picture it because Aaron, you and I both know what it takes to kill an animal. Yeah. And people already have the tech. It's saving a few seconds. And so people are going to be successful. I, I did ask a lot of what I would call killers, right? Like, yeah. Like guys that kill five, six, seven animals a year. And they're like, there's no way I'd put that on my bow. That should tell you something right there. One, they're already, you know, they got their system figured out. Right. And if it was that much of an increase, you know, they would switch to it probably or or maybe not. But you know what I mean? Right. Um, I I don't – I'm kind, of, I'm kind of weird and I tried to explain it yesterday. I feel if you have already learned how to judge yardage and have a good setup and system and everything else – you're probably not going to change to it anyway. Now, yeah. Luke was in here and Luke shot a deer in the leg and said, I just got all fucked up and I couldn't see my pins and I, 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 they all globbed together. Right. And, and he said, with that, I probably would have killed that deer. Yeah. Now, that's saying he didn't punch the trigger and reef his bow arm over or whatever, but it, it minimizes in that specific case him hitting, yeah. you know, him wounding the animal or hitting it. That is a unique case because he just shit his pants and ground blind, right? Yeah, and, right, right. But- I don't know that it's that big of a deal. I personally, with the site, I wouldn't use it. I don't know that how much it would change, you know, the harvest statistics. Um, but I think that if you were truly, if it ends up becoming that big of a deal, mm-hmm. I feel having um, 10 good shooters, pick them out, whatever. Yeah. Um, Levi, Gillingham, yep. know, pick them. And then you have uh, a group of non-biased people watching. Mm-hmm. I think that what they're going to find out is – those guys, those specific guys are just as lethal or more with their current setup. Absolutely. Now, if you take a greenie, they may find out the greenie initially is better with that specific site, which was my point. You know, it, it, it can be a false sense of hope maybe or, or a way for them to initially skip some hard work. I think the newer crowd into – not newer, but newer into archery would probably like that site better. By far than someone, sh- I don't know anybody that shot a long time, and I'm sure there, I'm sure we'll get comments of people that mm-hmm. have shot a long time that want to go to it. But for the most part, for Western hunters, I don't know one person that wants to switch to that site. That it just doesn't, not applicable. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. There's, I've gotten thousands of emails about, you know, you know, switching to that site. No, no, no. I'm not saying, I'm saying people I know that are killers. Right. I don't know anyone switching. I know tons of people that have posted. There's a few people that have written to me that are killers that, that are like, but we had in Texas, we had uh, Emily Cantor down there and she's uh, the new associate editor at Peterson's bow hunting. She's been hunting since she was a kid. Her dad uh, shoots hunts with a recurve and she's a bow hunter. She's not like, she's the kind of gal that gets a bow and goes out and hunts a little here and there each year with family, Pennsylvania, you know, she doesn't have the, the longest draw length. She's a girl. She, she doesn't have the highest poundage. She's, she's a girl. When it gets down to an arrow trajectory, there's a, there's quite a difference between 20 and 30 yards for her. Mm-hmm. On a drop, if she's wrong by two, three yards, it's it's a big deal. 
a lot of guys, especially some killers I know, they don't really run into problems. They can be wrong by five to 10 yards and still hit target. So I think for some people having the precision accuracy, when I ask around, I'm like, how often do you take a shot without using a range finder? I, I would say elk hunters often say from what just initially, just friends and buddies that emails back and forth, elk hunters often take shots without judging, but I think it's a much bigger target than a deer. Yeah. I think if you ask them if they've, did you ask them about pre-ranging? Cause I would be in that. They all pre-range. Yeah, I pre-range. I was going to say, people ask me this bunch and I was like, very rarely do I ever actually range the elk, mm-hmm. but I have damn sure ranged some stuff around me beforehand. Ryan Lambert's yeah. talked about it. He's like, I walk around from morning till dark, ranging everything, mm-hmm. range, range, range as he's walking through the woods. And that's to familiarize himself with distances in that new location Mm -hmm. and he starts to get a feel after two or three days that's 30 yards that's pretty soon he's starting to be pretty on yeah and then when that moment of truth arrives he doesn't he guesses yeah um and so to me that that i think again it's to me it's simple you know if it doesn't have a negative impact to the environment if it if it makes, if it reduces animal suffering and I'll tell you, Aaron, I'm not the best at pin gapping. Yeah. When we talked about that before, if I can put a pin on an animal, like I'm deadly. Yeah. I, I, I have total confidence and I hit that when it comes to pin gapping, I, I have a really difficult time, you know, putting 43 yards and figuring out where that goes. Yeah. And you've pushed me and I practiced that a lot. I've done a lot of total archery challenge events last year, like three of them along with three D's here and just guessed. Um, and I'm better than I've ever been, but I'm still not great. Um, and before that I use a sliding pin site in a range finder, mm-hmm. but that's that you're going to miss so many opportunities with that because you don't have time. Yeah. You don't have time to adjust it. And so Henry would argue that, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not a big fan of the single pin slider myself. Well, we but. talked about that. <laughs> yeah. But this gives me that option to have basically a single pin slider um, it, without the time it takes to dial it. Yeah. And so what I found when I was in Texas was from 70 yards to 20 yards to even two yards, I pretty much heart shot everything. Yeah. Which was, I mean, I shot straight down on a pig that was right below. It was one yard. Yeah. And it pops up the the lighted dot at basically, what, 70 yards roughly or something like that. Yeah. When you're in the negatives like that, you kind of go in the, what you, I call the negative. Yeah. Your arrow hasn't crossed your line of sight yet. Yeah, so. exactly. So it goes backwards for you. The sight does it all. So it took a lot of that mystery out. And it was, I got to say, it was fun to be able to you know, from 70 yards down to one yard to be able to hit exactly where I wanted to hit. Does it take out, does it take out a skill? Absolutely. Does it make it easier for, for me? Absolutely. And, and that's where I talked yesterday, the hard work portion of it or the practice. And that could just be my hard headedness and me getting maybe older of, Man, I had to go through all that shit. Everybody should. Like, I had to learn the hard way before rangefinders. I remember being on, I wasn't on the sheep hunt, but I was with somebody. We didn't yeah. have rangefinders, let alone angle. Yeah, well, no. my, my dad bow hunted a lot when I was a kid, like all the time. Yeah. 
They didn't have rangefinders. Well, and this one, we actually had one, but it didn't have angle comp. <laughs> oh. And so we were shooting like six feet over its back. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this angle comp hadn't really been computed yet in our brain, right? And and anyway, and those are all things that were part of learning and were fun. I mean, well, maybe not fun at the time, but they were fun later. Uh, and this, this again, this is this cancels that out. And, mm-hmm. and you know how I am. I feel you should learn to start a fire with a ferro rod. And I think you should learn land nav. Yeah. You should learn to judge yardage. Now, some people can't spell. That would be me. Some people can't judge yardage. All right. Well, that is what it is, right? And so practicing will help. Like I could practice spelling never going to be an inherently good speller, right? Yeah. Some people may never be a great judge of yardage. Um, the more you practice, the better you get. Obviously, I'm significantly better at spelling than I was 10 <laughs> years ago, but I also cheat and I use word perfect. Right. So the range kinders, finder's kind of a word perfect. Yeah. It, it may not make it perfect in every, uh, you know, sometimes I spell it so bad, even word perfect I, can't fix it. I love what you're saying. And yeah. I totally, I totally agree. I'm, I, I am all about developing those skills and I want to, Yeah, and I plan to yeah. at the same time. I also rely on technology. Like when I have an animal in front of me, it's nice to be able to know that I'm going to cause almost like I'm going to not marginally hit it like too high or too low and I'll still kill it. Yeah. But here I reduce animal suffering with this excellent shot. Hard work would do that too, though. It would. It'll take a while to get there. It, it, that was my whole point was don't skip that and, part. And not everybody gets to be Aaron Snyder or Tim Gillingham or some of these other people, even if they work their whole lives at it. Right. But, I mean, and I agree with you, I'm also never going to be skinny, right? I may not be able to <laughs> right. hike as fast as someone. I've, I've got a fat kid body. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be genetic differences. Yes. But, I mean, it wasn't like I picked up a bow and was a great oh, with no. the bow, right? There's, you worked. You worked. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I do have a genetic – I want to say genetic. I have a knack for shooting a bow, and I always have. I'm jealous. The, yeah. Well, and, and you can spell well. I'm fucked on that one, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Your dad I, and mom have both corrected me on my spelling, actually. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, there's an analytical part of this that I, I had a friend I talked to, and um, – I wrote this down. I got this yes last night after we got off the phone and uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, if this is about people being able to get the same results without working as hard or without having to be as tough, that is a different issue that is not about hunting, but is about human competition. Mm -hmm. That debate can go on for a long time. Clothing is technology, lightweight backpack and tent materials are tech Both mean I can go further and stay longer in harsher conditions because my wallet is fatter than someone else's. The alternative is for me to spend a lot of time conditioning my body to the cold and the wet. This aspect of hunting comes down to personal preference about the type of experience you want. And no one can really say that their experience is better than someone else's or can dictate what that experience should be for everyone. We can protect the opportunity for different experiences by making sure someone's way of hunting does not impact the experience of others. Like, to me, that's a a crossbow in bow season. But that is not a technology argument. It's a consequences argument. Mm -hmm. So by the consequence of having this new level of technology, the consequence is reduced animal suffering, more accuracy, increased harvest rates. The, The consequence to that, though, is lower hunter opportunity mm-hmm. fewer people get to go out and hunt because this the success rate is guaranteed so 
to me, it goes back to, again, as long as the impact of the tech is positive and not negative, the only thing to consider is, does it impact hunting for everyone in an adverse way that we would want to look at controlling it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree pretty much all that. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. And I think, again, and I th- make sure these are my, definitely my views, like yeah. my, and it, and it's only because um the I think people are cheating themselves, not necessarily the animal. De- I mean, right. definitely the animal, but you're well, cheating yourself from some of the cool things you learn along the way. I agree. I feel like, and this has pissed some people off, but I feel like, you know, to take a rifle out bypasses, it's like cheating so badly. It dry, it, I feel like it's not, it's not a, uh, it's shortcutting hard work. Yeah what it takes to do it with a bow and arrow. That said, I don't want to go to a recurve. I have such a difficult time getting the job done with a compound. You're definitely going to get bashed over that one for sure. Um, only because you shoot stuff with a rifle. So they're going to hate, hate on you probably for that. So no, I'm you not, might want to explain yourself a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is... It's any, easier going from one to the next. It is, yeah. it is. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that technology makes it easier. And anytime we rely on technology, you're, you're missing out on some skill. And that can go all the way back to, I jump out of a tree with a knife and kill it, right? Like you're bypassing. Harvest rates will definitely go down there. <laughs> right. <and then. laughs> but you're bypassing. Each time you make it more primitive, okay, you have to gain greater and greater skills. Yeah. And I, I went... For I went to shoot a recurve for my own personal reasons. It didn't really have a whole lot to do with technology because, as you know, I'm kind of pro-tech, right? I mm-hmm. did it for my own reasons because I got to where I was using maybe not necessarily technology but my shooting ability to such a level that – probably get bashed for this. didn't really have anything to do with the animal. I mean, I didn't care, right? I mean, I just mm-hmm. wanted to put meat in the freezer. It has more to do with what I get out of it. Now – Sure, I'm going to get some hate mail for that. I probably deserve it. But truly, I mean, if you have a guy with the next season with a gun, yeah, he does have an easier time than a guy with a bow. Now, can everyone shoot things far away? No, they, they can't. I'm saying for me personally, I just get more out of it mentally and, and uh, more. It's, it's more of a challenge and, and I'm more goal-oriented, I guess, with the recurve. Um, because I, my shooting ability or whatever with the compound was, was at a level that didn't make it as much fun as it was before. Um, you have to get closer. Oh yeah. I have to get it. It's like literally like a par four compared to a compound for me. Um, but I didn't do it because I felt bad for the animal. Like, um, uh, like, oh, the animal's defenseless cause I have a bow in my hand. I really didn't care about that was being totally honest, that wasn't part of the picture in, in my mind because, again, I'm thinking I could always just go pick up a gun and hunt the next season, right? Like, yeah. you know, I did it for my own personal reasons. I probably did a poor job explaining that, um, but meaning that it's gotten easy enough no, I, with me with a compound that I might as well have just gone to the next season. I think that when guys get into that, it, when I said human competition, mm-hmm. it's an argument over human competition, not hunting. Yeah. What I mean by that is – when you employ a certain level of technology, mm-hmm. um, the, the idea that what we do is fair in any way, yeah, 
is ridiculous. Yeah, towards the animal. Towards the is this fair for the animal? Okay, look, there's no such thing as fair. Yeah, our human brain is so far advanced that the second we step out in the field, it's not fair. Yeah, uh, and and they just they have physical abilities above and beyond ours, but they're not shooting back, right? I mean, right. they're not. They they don't have well. In some portions of their, not maybe not their their brain, but their 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 senses, right? Yeah. Their speed, their ability to take pain, far above and beyond ours. But we have technology. Well, the guy that I talked to yesterday that's shooting the modern compound bow and the modern this and the modern that and the rangefinder and the sliding sight and all that and flat brim, uh, go hunt and all that. Love. I didn't say anything again, about go hunt or flat brims. Cool dude. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, um, that guy said, I just feel like. He's like, I range everything. Yep. I have a sliding sight. He's like, I have a sliding sight. I have all that stuff, all that technology. I just feel like though that when it's in the sight mounted to my bow, it's no longer fair chase. Yeah. That is an odd way to kind of look at it probably. That is, that is probably a little odd. He's like, it's not fair anymore. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, is it not fair then if a guy uses a rifle? Cause that's, or a crossbow or a muzzle loader or the end it's, it's always not fair. You could say it's not fair when you use a recurve. Guy yeah. should use a knife or a spear. It's like that argument can go on forever. Yeah. About it, what's fair. And it could definitely can go both ways. And a lot of it too is obviously where the line's drawn on the sand for each person. And like that's what I said yesterday. It, it can also go in the the other way. One of the things that I have kind of come to find with me going to the recurve Justin Davis is a good example. He's a he's a good friend of mine, but he has made comments when I've shot things at long distance before about it's all about getting close for me and whatever. And I kind of now I'm leaning towards guys like that to say, you know what, man, you should pick up a recurve or a longbow. You should if it's if it's about getting that close, you're not going to get any closer. Like that is definitely going to be as good as it gets. Um, and that may be the case for this guy. You know, maybe he maybe he should switch over to, and I don't know who it is, but I mean, maybe he should try the recurve because then it's a, it is a different experience and, and from what I know. Yeah. Well, and like I was saying, I don't think it's a, um, everybody wants a different experience. Mm -hmm. And you'll have a guy go out with a compound and fingers mm -hmm. and open sights. Yeah. And then you'll have a guy that says, you know, I go out with a recurve, but I take a helicopter. You know, it's like we mix and match tech all the time. Yeah. Well, I, so Matt Singer made a, a video once and he talked about technology, um, long distance shooting with a yeah. whatever. And in my first fully, and I like Matt Singer, was you got about three grand on in clothing, right? Mm -hmm. you, 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 you're pimping out. A seven hundred dollar cooler, maybe eight hundred. I don't know how much a Yeti costs, but uh, you know, arguably the best in the business. I think you know you're running pretty high end optics. Um, Backpack. Yeah, yeah. He's running a Mystery Ranch pack. Um, one of the big three. It's a little bit. It, it's a little bit contradictory or a little bit hypocritical. And and I don't have any issue with what he said per se. I was just like, man, that. It's a little, you know, you're you're kind of skirting back and forth on the line there with that because mm -hmm. you are running some pretty high-tech gear. Now, I totally understand he's limiting in himself in his own mind, meaning he's not – he doesn't have a, a night force scope on or, or whatever long yeah, he's distance. He's not shooting beyond pole. X range no matter yeah. what. So he's limited him, himself in mm -hmm. his own mind. Um, when I, not, he, I mean, he has limited himself to what he potentially could shoot, not in his own mind, but what he could go right. to. Yeah. Um, 
you know, for me, it's been pretty simple. I, I just picked up a stick, right? That pretty much gets, I, I, can't, I am probably not getting as much shit from other people as I used to, but this is also from a guy that shot a caribou well over 100 yards. But when someone like Matt Zinger comes out, and I love Jason, and he comes out with that and he kind of says, you know, this is, this is technology gone too far. From a recurve shooter's perspective, that's the pot calling the, the kettle black. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? And you're using a rifle to shoot 500 yards, but that's, that's, that's giving them a sporting chance. Yeah. No, I believe me. I, and I was shooting a compound at the time, but, and I'm a weird and odd duck because as I'm shooting a recurve, wearing flannel plaid, right. Or whatever, <laughs> like limiting myself more and more and more, and even yeah. limiting myself from what I potentially could shoot with the recurve, I'm prepping Frank for 80 yard shots in New Zealand teaching him everything I possibly can. So it's not like I'm anti-long-distance compound right. shooting, being uh, upfront and honest with everyone. I'm helping Frank shoot far. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, you help me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, shot I'm, my elk at 72. When I'm behind you, I will be the guy prepping you on how to take the far shot, and then I'm going to walk back and grab my recurve and mm-hmm. be limited quite a bit less. So I, I, want, I want to be honest with everyone with that so I don't sound hypocritical myself. It's my thing. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, and, and that's not a technology and, deal on my side. And that's why I say it should be up to the individual for the experience they want. So we like, look, dude, if if the method of hunting that you choose to use makes you more lethal, because at the end of the day, our everybody's goal is to go out and fill a tag and bring meat home, have mm-hmm. an experience. Okay. I say, let a guy do whatever he wants. Yeah. As long as it's legal in that season and pr- approve any technology that makes you more lethal. Mm-hmm. If it gets to a point where the, where I, like I said, that tech increases harvest rate. So it's no longer, and so it decreases opportunity. Then we need to take that out of that type of hunting. Yeah. It doesn't belong there. You've advanced it to another level because hunting opportunity Aaron, that's like so important. If if you issue a thousand tags because only a hundred tags can get filled, still a thousand people get to go out and experience the outdoors and throw their 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 name in the hat, mm-hmm. right? And those that are the most skilled and work the hardest usually will be in the hundred that's that 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 harvest, and the other 900 are the guns that didn't work as hard. Not always. There's a lot of luck involved. Yeah. Yeah. But the point is that opportunity, I don't really want to see that go down. I'm with everybody else. So the idea that I'm all about technology up to any level isn't true. I am all about technology until it is so advanced that it increases harvest rates. And so we have to decrease opportunity. At that point, I'm like, yeah, just take it out. Yeah. But when you look at that, I, I can't. I just can't ethically say we shouldn't hunt with that when it's something that's extremely lethal and reduces animal suffering. Mm -hmm. At that point, I'm like, well, why not? And the only reason I can think of not making something okay is when it reduces opportunity. Right. And that's where we brought this up a little bit yesterday. That's where I brought up the lighted knock. It doesn't increase your chance of hitting it. It increases your chance of finding it, which I was all for. Now, I've never, I don't use lighted knocks yeah. just because they change my impact point from my normal knocks, but it, it'll help you find the animal. Yeah, it doesn't help you shoot it. No. It helps no. you recover it after it's been shot. I think it's- It looks cool kind on of an, film too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of a no-brainer 
if somebody wants to use it because it, it doesn't actually aid in the getting of the animal. I, I, another problem I think people need to listen to these entire podcasts and not parts of them or not read what other people have perceived because that does get a little bit confusing because if you only listen to four minutes section of this yeah, instead of 24 minutes of a certain topic, it can get confusing or whatever. Um, totally and, agree. And, 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 and I'm only saying that because, you know, for on, on my end, this I, I really don't care about the site. I care about hard work and people not cheating the system to a certain degree. Having said that, I'm a guy that took steroids, right? I, I cheated <laughs> the system. But long term, which you know, if I would have worked harder, ate healthier, and mm-hmm. skipped the steroids, I actually would have maintained more muscle than I did by cheating the system. Yeah. Different, totally different world, same kind of thing I'm talking about. I think that if you learn how to judge yardage to the best of your ability – and you use that site, if that site goes down, well, maybe not the one site because then you're totally screwed. But if that site goes down, you can still get by and you're fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that was my only point. Or I'm kind of whatever on the site because I just don't think it's going to increase much. On on the site for me, having used it, yeah, I can, I can say with sureness that it works in great bluebird conditions, right? And I can say that it made – it helped me like – it helped me – have pers- pin, uh, one yard precision at p- pinpoint accuracy, mm-hmm. right? So no matter the yardage, I kn- I, it's like a dead center shot Yeah, as long as I execute everything right, okay? So that was great. Whether it's durable, whether it can handle a horseback ride in BC or an elk hunt in Colorado, I can't speak to that at all. Whether it can, um, whether it's not glitchy and it doesn't fail on you, reliable, I can't say. And Garmin, I should say, Garmin hasn't paid me not anything, yeah. zero. I got invited to the same thing you did. I just was down in Alabama shooting yeah. shit or whatever. I, I didn't honestly want the drama either, to be totally yeah, yeah. honest. I I saw the writing on the wall when I saw that fucker. I'm like, yeah. nah, not me. Because I already knew what it could do if, it, if this makes sense. Mm-hmm. I read all the literature on it. If they came through with what they said they could do, I really didn't need to shoot it because my testing would be – in adverse conditions, totally. in cold weather. Dropping it in water, putting it in your freezer, seeing if it still works, yeah. all that kind of stuff. That would be my testing because if yeah. it does what it says, then hell, I mean, that's a moot point. All right, yeah, dots Great. there, shoot it. Yeah. yeah so. uh, um, I agree. And so, you know, like I said, they haven't paid me or anything like that. I'm, But to me, it's not just about this site. I see it every time some new tech comes on the scene. So... I haven't heard anyone say this is how we should handle new tech. It's like this really confusing it, it to me this is just one tool to have the discussion, one object to to have that discussion around. Mm-hmm. And it to me it goes back to those principles. Does it have negative impact? No. Does it reduce animal suffering? Yes. Okay, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Like why wouldn't you be okay with that? Does it increase harvest rates to the point where it decreases opportunity? Well, if that's true, well, maybe we need to now look at where this technology belongs because it doesn't belong where we're trying to put it. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to look at it. That's where you draw the line on tech. Yeah. No, and I'm not I'm not too far away from that on my end. And, and I, the one thing I will add to that, which doesn't have as much to do with what you're talking about, one, I think it's important both compound and traditional archers to – to know, and I don't have enough experience to speak too much on the trad thing, but on the compound side, 
It's not as easy as I think some maybe traditional shooters think to hit an animal with a compound at far distance. And I've, I've gotten this uh, into this discussion, not an argument, with some traditional shooters where they say, yeah, but you have the ability. Well, you also have the ability with a recurve to just poke and hope too. I mean, yeah. I've, I've read and watched a lot about Howard Hill and Fred Bear. They're poking and hoping at 100 a lot, okay, with 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 not carbon uh, from right. limbs, right? I mean, they're, and so I I guess like with it, it is difficult to hit anything at a hundred with a compound, and it's difficult to anything fifty with a recurve. And right. now, can I go out with a recurve at an elk that's foam standing there and wad in a paper plate most days three or four arrows? Yeah, yeah. Can I at a hundred and twenty with a compound do the same thing? Yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. I've also have the Jedi Master down the street, Tom Clum. Right. right. I've got the other compound Jedi Master down the road, Phil Mendoza. I've shot for since a long time and I've had coaches. I've learned to tune. I, I've I've tried everything known to man. Okay, well go on that list, go pick out ten archers that have had the opportunities and and things that I've had and that and the time to shoot. That number's a lot smaller. And I I'm not saying that is a bragging thing. I'm saying that is I think a lot of recurve shooters think you just grab a compound, throw a sight right. on it, you're killing shit at hundred yards. It is not the it's case. A, no, it's a skill. It takes a lot to, to get to that point. And it it is very arguable when people get super heated. It's like religion, man. It's horrible. And and I don't get too heated. I was lucky enough to kill some shit with the recurve. So I have a semi leg to stand yeah. on in that crowd. And I have a crowd that I have a leg to stand on in the compound crowd. So I can kind of speak semi intelligently about both. And I would say on my seasons, it wasn't that much difference yeah. between the two because I had to wait longer and I knew what I had to do and I didn't take pokes and hopes with a recurve so i ended up being as successful close with the recurve mm-hmm. with harder work mm-hmm. had about the same success with the compound the next year and the year before but it was easier for me to do because i could shoot farther right. away um technology really didn't have i don't know that tech really affected either side of the fence well i think that an animal that gets shot quickly and cleanly and dies quickly. The animal doesn't care what tech you used. Yeah. It it doesn't care. And at the end of the day, we we make it into this macho, you know, who's better than who activity. When really you're going out and killing an animal to eat it. It's like the oldest activity. Most primal thing in the world. Primal thing man has ever done, right? So we're primal animals with big brains that come up with ways to be more efficient at killing and doing that. And so where you draw the line for yourself on technology is based on the experience you want to have. And that's Mm -hmm. for you. And I totally, the thing is, is what, what bothers me is when hunters engage in this, I'm better than this person because I choose to use this technology, Mm -hmm. not realizing that, you know, some compound boy, Bo says that about a rifle hunter. Yeah. And then some, but he doesn't have a leg to stand on when he's looking at some, you know, stick bow guy. There's one specific guy I'd like to mention his name that I'd like to conk in the head that uh, yeah. I've heard set make several comments. And this isn't the guy you're thinking of um, where I'm like, may was making fun of trad guys saying, why don't you go shoot a fork at horn or something? And I'm like, you know what? You fat fucker. Um, 
you take and you put a recurve in your hand, and let's see, it's about the person and what he wants. Now, right. this guy shot some big mule deer with a gun, and he's a great hunter. I mean, the guy's he's an unbelievable hunter, um, great at judging animals. But for him to kind of bash a guy picking up a recurve or a compound because they may be shooting smaller animals or whatever – that irritates me a lot more than other things because it's like, one, dude, you're using a gun. There's nothing wrong with using a gun, and I'm not totally. bashing a guy using a gun, but don't fuck with the guy using the recurve. But it's still human competition. This isn't yeah. about the animal anymore. Yeah, this isn't about I hunting. Get, that's where I get irritated about it is it's like I'm all for trophy hunting and my thing, right? But yeah. don't. Don't shit on the guy down below because he's chosen a different weapon. I mean, we're we all in do, this we together. We cannibalize each other yeah, in hunting. It's pretty bad. And yeah. it's like, hey, dude, why not celebrate that guy's decision to use a crossbow? Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Great. And then celebrate the guy with the rifle and the guy with the compound and the modern gear and the recurve. As long as that guy with the crossbow is not in compound season, I'm and good. And that's exactly <laughs> right. As long as it doesn't impact hunter opportunity. Yeah, and that's why with the gun thing, I'm to I, I don't I, I like guns. I mean, I don't shoot with a gun because I not sound like the Rock Johnson on the yeah. bad things happen, right? I cannot control <laughs> myself. It's just not for me. And and I shot that grizzly at four hundred and some yards with a gun that wasn't mine. Yeah, that I borrowed. Yeah, I don't get as much out of that. I wanted to shoot a grizzly, and I could have easily said. No, I'm not going to. One, I can't afford to go on those hunts. And so they were banding grizzly hunting. I took the shot. I would do it again every day, all day. I have no regrets. I've had people say, well, why'd you grab the gun? I'm like, well, why do you think I grabbed the gun? Because I wanted to kill it. Yeah. Like, obviously, <laughs> like it was the last day of the season. I, I didn't have a choice. Oh, I, I had a choice, but they were banning it, so I couldn't come up the next year. And I can't afford. Dude. So I'm not proud enough, I guess. You're going for an experience. I mm -hmm. shot that moose in BC with a rifle because not just because I that experience was still fun for me, mm -hmm. rifle or bow. I would rather have done it with a bow. But I was totally happy having also done it with a rifle. And, and on that the day, the meat was a driving factor. factor. Well, I wanted to guarantee the meat. And, but I mean, you think about it to go along the lines with what you're saying on that specific day, I didn't want to shoot that moose at yeah. all with a gun. Right. Fast forward a few days, you couldn't have handed me enough weapons <laughs> right. to kill one with because I wanted to, one, I can't afford to go on that hunt again. I, mean, right. I don't think I can. Um, I wanted the meat, which was a big part of it, and I don't have anything against guns. Now, if John Pinch was with me and the closest animal was a thousand yards away, yeah, I would have John dialing in the gun for me. Uh, dude, I'll get some comment about, oh, nice job, gritty rifleman. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, look, my, it's not like I'm, I'm not wishy washy. When I go out, I have an experience I want to have. Yeah. And I have goals and they differ depending on lots of variables. Yeah. I'm just out there doing what I want to do and harvesting how I want to harvest. It's none of your business. Yeah. As long as it's legal and it's ethical. And, and for me, the couple times I've picked up the gun, because I'm a pretty hardcore bow guy, is a financial reason. Um, yeah. We spent a lot be, of money on a, on a moose hunt. Yeah. And and that was, and, I mean, and I'm trying to be as honest as I can here. If I was a true diehard, you know, whatever, uh, a compound or trad guy, archer, I wouldn't have said no. You know, like I wouldn't have picked up the gun uh, because I would have stuck it out. But it's a financial uh, decision. We paid that much money. I may not be able to go on that hunt again. And I really wanted to bring home the meat, which now, 
dude, we can't eat that shit fast enough. It's good. Like mine tastes way better than yours. Yeah. Because yours, mine didn't have a giant. Yeah. Cane crisp, uh, cane green. When mine's a burger, in it. it's good, but it's tough. The flavor's good. It's just tough. Yeah, mine, like everything is unbelievable. Is <laughs> the, some of the best meat I've ever eaten. And, and I put a 338 round through that thing, yeah. 75, 80, whatever it was. So, you know, I did that pig. I did that hunt in Texas, shot the pig. Big, giant hogzilla pig. Right? That was a big pig. And then, and then I posted that photo to Instagram. And now I get, I, not much, but I get all these people saying, you know, I thought you were against trophy hunt or uh, grip and grin photos and blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. I get the screenshots of it. And it's the same thing. Like, it, if anybody listened to that podcast, they did not hear me say I was against grip and grin photos. Yeah. They just, I didn't, I never said that. I said that it's important that we think about how we post and represent hunting. Yeah. I'm not convinced that the grip and grin photo is bad. I'm, I'm not convinced. And, but like with the pig thing, I don't just post a picture of a pig. Yeah. I post a picture of a pig, which by the way, pigs have no souls, just like fish don't have souls. I mean, turkeys. turkeys. Turkeys don't have souls. And chickens, which I harvest their feathers <laughs> for my arrows. People don't care if you smile over a dead pig or a fish, but- the thing is, when you, when you, I felt it was really important when I posted that to talk about pigs in general mm -hmm. and how invasive they are, how they're destroying the environment and, and, and all of that. And I think that context, I've always been, I've always pushed that. Like when you yeah, put something out there. Contexty guy for sure. Add context around it so people know the story and the whole thing around it. And so when I post something, I try to do that, you know, and, but again, I'm not convinced that the pig, that the, that, that the trophy photo, whatever you want to call it, the hero shot, the grip and grin is a negative thing. And I've heard a lot of debates on both sides. I, the I point think it, was how do you tell your story about hunting? Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. And, and, and I'm going off of talking with a lot more antis than I have been used to where that actually it, it ha in my experience mm -hmm. a tasteful trophy photo after the end of a story shows what you got also to go along the lines with photos when you're cooking it or when you're taking the meat off even though it's a little gruesome for some but if they're a meat eater meaning you know they go yeah. eat chicken or burgers or whatever yeah I think it's important that they see now you're not you're not posting your trophy cattle, right? Okay, I, understandable. You also didn't work your ass off to get that cattle, right? You 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 There's, paid a hitman to do it. Yep. And so for me, hey, here's us at the trailhead, and here's us like your elk hunt was a great example. Um, I've used those photos. Like here's the struggles. This is what was going on. And they get into it, you know. And I'm like, this day here, we had a huge bull come in. We didn't get it. We had to kind of revamp. I was shitting my pants, right? Mm -hmm. I was puking all over. And then, boom, there's your elk. <laughs> right. And then there's all these game bags. There's you with the trophy. There's it's the video story. of me, yep, loading it up. Yep. And then our freezer's full, and we're having it for dinner. Yep. It kind of comes full circle that and, way. And that's all All I think that discussion was about. Ben has a, a, a pretty firm opinion that it 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 we could do without it. I, I never, 
I don't agree with Ben. Fully I bet if he was selling a gun or a bow instead of a Yeti cooler, <laughs> he would probably have a different opinion. Well, and you could be right. I here's the thing: like when it comes down to that, I think what matters again is, like you said, the whole story. Yeah, and I think a grip and grin pick can be done well and done very badly. Yeah, and so it's not as black and white as you either have them or you don't. Yeah, because. I I want to interrupt. Sorry, yeah. I did a grip and grin with a doe with yeah. my recurve first whitetail I shot with a recurve. I made sure to take a photo of that doe because I don't want. I shot a buck too, and we got the same photos. Now it was darker with the doe. Yeah, but for me, I got a ton of flack from guys. Why would you take a picture of a doe? I'm like, yeah, fuck that soulless thing. I'm like <laughs> it died too, right? I'm gonna right. eat that fucker just like I am the other one. Why right. wouldn't I take a photo of it? You know. Now I won't say. Not all the time do I take a photo of a of a doe, but human nature dictates bigger horns, photos. Now, it does, again, why I switched to the recurve. I was definitely taking a photo with the recurve and the doe because I had to work a lot harder to shoot that doe with the recurve. It meant than something I did. to you. It meant a lot to me. And I had guys, I can't believe you're still shooting does. And I'm like, oh, I shot 11 of them actually this year and I brought right. them all home. So for, I'm a little weird in that. Like most guys aren't going to take a photo with a doe. Some will, you know, yeah. like, especially if, if it's a new guy and his first animal, this my whatever, 250, 350 animals later. I thought it was a good idea to take it with the doe. Yep. Did I know people that aren't hunters that saw that were like, that's pretty cool that you took a photo with that because, you know, they know I eat the meat. It kind of goes, it's weird in the hunting community. Uh, yeah, I think it can be, like I said, it can be done well either way. I mean, if you're stacking every product you used in front of your bow, in front of your kill, you know, and you're like, and it's an obvious like, all these ulterior motives are very present and because Aaron, when it boils down, it boils down to this one thing. The public doesn't care that you killed an animal. The the, the non-hunting public does not care that you killed an animal. The, the, the anti-hunters care. Yeah. They're 10% or less of the population. I'm not talking about those two people. I'm talking about the people that don't hunt, mm -hmm. but don't have any problem with it. Those people don't care that you killed an animal. They cared about why you killed an animal. Mm -hmm. It's not the killing of the animal they have a problem with. It's why you did it. Mm -hmm. And if that's not clear or the photo or whatever you present confuses them and they attribute motives to your actions that are very heinous and disturbing, mm -hmm. that just made a, that just punched hunting in the face. That mm -hmm. just made it more likely that we're going to lose the opportunity going down the road. Well, and I see it even in the barber shop because I, I bring meat into to yeah. them, you know, and, and they, uh, there's, a, you can imagine a vast amount of different people in the barber shop and my destiny, my, my barber. I can't um, help but look at your hair right now. She does a great job. <laughs> um, destiny, she, when I first gave it to her, kind of split it up and was like, eh. And then the next time I got my hair cut, she's like, did you try it? And I'm like, look, don't look at it as I killed the damn thing. Look at it like beef. Look yeah. at it like you bought it. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> and so she did, and she loved it. And some of the other people with the questions, and they're like, what do you hunt? And I'm like, I hunt everything. I hunt everything I can. I shoot everything I can. And uh, I said, but I eat, eat all of it too. And uh, me breaking it down to I'm like, okay, you just bought Chick-fil-A. There's a bag of it right there. That animal had a life too, and it died. You just paid someone to kill it, basically. Mm -hmm. Um I'm killing it myself. And the light kind of popped on. They're like, eh, I kind of feel like an asshole. Now you're right. You know, and I, it's kind of like a, people talk about military generals in the army. 
they may not be doing the shooting, but they're issuing the orders yeah. to go shoot. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm, same kind of thing. Like once people think about it, they're killing animals too. They're just doing it. Now, when they think, of, like you said, when they mm-hmm. think about, are you shooting it for the horns, which is a comment I get all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm one of those odd guys that don't really take the horns home very often. I'm I'm more of a of a meat guy. Um, then it really puts it into context for them where it's like, oh, where they thought maybe their perceived idea of it was trophy hunting and horns and everything else, which I can understand that in some ways. You know, sometimes yeah. we, we, we let that out as, as hunters that it's just about that. And it's hard not to – nobody wants to see a white bag of bloody meat in a pack. You, you don't get the same wow factor. Yeah, as, as an antler. Yeah. Like we packed out the moose, I had meat in the bag and the moose. Mm-hmm. Well, where's the meat? I'm like it's in the bag, dickhead. But <laughs> the moose is it's covering it up, right? I, I mean, you're not going to get the same effect out of it. And we're all men, and we want to be not all men, but meaning on that trip, we were all, you know, p- packing out the meat. Right. It just so happened you got me going off the mountain first, and the rack was on it, but I had meat in there too. To a a, a non hunter looking at that. One, they'd be like, wow, that thing is heavy. The next thing is, where's the meat? And I'm like, hey, here's all the bags. We got the video of it going across mm-hmm. the river. Here's it in my freezer. And it tells a lot better story than a dead deer with its tongue hanging out of the back of the truck sitting on top of it with beer cans in the back. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I, I right, think. Right, right. And yeah. so I think, like I said, when you're, when you're posting something, being mindful of the motives that, that you're displaying mm-hmm. behind that post is uh just something to be mindful of yeah and and so for me it's like i look at the picture of a hog in texas and i'm like the motives for me are we're getting rid of pigs yeah uh they're taking over the place we shot a bunch we ate a bunch you know it's like we tested this product at the same time which helps you kill pigs yeah (laughs) and it's like i don't find that that a a negative thing for people coming in looking at hunting from the outside. In fact, most people when they see pig, they they see bacon, one hundred percent. Like when I showed that to all my non hunting friends, they come, they're like, "How much bacon did you get? How much bacon did you get?" Yeah, a, a wild boar is not like a domestic pig. They don't know that. Yeah, they just see bacon. They just assume it's bacon. And not that a wild boar doesn't taste great if you do it right. Yeah. Ooh. I, this is coming from a guy that's been on a black gun hunt out of a helicopter for pigs <laughs> on an over-infested pig area where they they said there's too many pigs. We, they're crushing the land, the, yeah. the, you know, for – and, I, I mean, I saw how bad it was, and they were like, you're pretty good with a gun, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you want to fly around in a helicopter? I'm like, yep, I'll do it. Yeah. Now, I didn't post that, and I never would because it's not a great uh, – that's, that's where it gets tricky because – I've seen posts where they have, they did doe patrol mm-hmm. or something and they show a photo of like we've got 50 does dead on the ground. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's, I think at, it looks like wanton waste or, or they don't know what that means. Yeah. I think from, and so I think from a photo perspective, that's a black eye for hunting. When you take that meat, when you take a photo of doe patrol with, all the meat in a pile yeah then it's like they make that connection yeah well, here I mean, they just think you're just killing them to we had one with 11 does in the back of the truck standing on the 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 tackle yeah. box uh i mean we were on the way to the processor which and i totally agree like that probably wasn't i 
we thought about it for a minute and I'm like, just post it. Now my, my processing bill was $1,700 and it all got right. shipped back, but I can see how that would be negative because it was a bunch of dough piled in the back of the truck. But I, I mean, at the same time, when I posted that, it ended up way better than I thought because I had a lot of the photographers that are on my page ask me like, what'd you do with those? And I was like, well, we were loading them in the truck to take them to the processing place. It's actually pine level processing. It's where Kid Rock and Hank Williams <laughs> Jr. go. And I said, I had it made out of that sausage. Right. And I said, it was actually expensive. It was like 1700 bucks. And they're like, can we buy it? And I'm like, I don't know if they sell it, but this is where we got it. Um, uh, and that's context. Yeah. Because those people have a relationship with you, yeah. some of them, that yeah. follow your photography. Mm-hmm. So they don't make – they look at that photo and they look at your other photos and they're like, these are incongruent. Like, they don't match for me. So they give you a chance. They don't judge you right out of the box. And I have to say, I get way – for having – whatever I've got, 50,000 followers, Mm -hmm. I get a lot less hate than a lot of other people do. And I, I, when I say hate, meaning from antis and nons, I think a lot of that is from the photography aspect of it, um, where there's, um, your motives are so clear when people look at the beautiful photography and the experience. It's different. So, and I still get guys that, Hey, you should kill your father or whatever, 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 Hey, whatever. But it's not very often. Um, you know, so, and, and I think that's probably from the photography, but uh, all I was saying in that podcast was we were kind of just philosophically debating how basically acknowledging that hunting has a PR problem because when you look at like, I'd use Logan Ross as an example you know, from rock house, mm-hmm. she killed that elk. And she's like, man, I was so happy. It was like an achievement of a lifetime. Yeah. This little gal pulled it off. She killed an elk with her bow. It was like, and she almost couldn't find it. And yeah. so to find it, it was just, it was just that magic moment. And that photo of her over her elk represents a million things for her that are just a, an accomplishment and achievement. It represents the meat in the freezer. It's this whole story. But when some stranger comes on and looks at it and they see this girl over dead elk that's smiling and stuff, they look at it and go, um, yeah, bloodthirsty or bloodthirsty, sick girl. And so there's a PR issue because we, it's like this photo means so much more to other people, to the people in the know that, that, but, but what a weird problem to have because there's this whole world that doesn't get it. And so just, it's a philosophical debate on how should we move forward? Yeah. Should we show it or should we not show it? And frankly, for me, as I've thought about it and weighed it out, and like I said, I never said in the podcast that we should get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I let Ben said it, but I'm like, I I don't know. Yeah, and I don't I would, know. I would say he's wrong. Um, I I think in the right context, you should have it. Um, That's the conclusion I came to is. You can do it well, and you can do it poorly. And I don't know Ben from Adam. I don't even think I've ever met him. Yeah. Um, and my my perspective of this is, and of course you're taking a life and it's different. You, you hold, if you win the NFL, you know, whatever, if you win the Super Bowl, yeah. you hold the, you've worked for yeah. it, it shows the achievement, you hold up the trophy, right? right. You wear the ring. Um, yeah. You know, if you've worked your butt off and, you know, whatever, harvested a, a doe, a spike, a bull, whatever, that's your end of your achievement. Certainly in the middle of that, you want to tell a story, not just for everybody else to see, but for you to remember. Mm-hmm. Now, if I do I think that 
Somebody shoots a giant white tail. You drag the poor fucker behind in front of the sign that says whatever. Such, such ranch. Ranch. <laughs> right? And then you put a big logo on the front of that. Mm-hmm. That that could be. And you're like, booner. Yeah. That could be bad context. Now, having said that, I always put my bow in my pack on my, yeah. my, my animals. I do on every shot. And I always have. Um, I try not to lay shit all over it or yeah. whatever. But, I mean, I always just – that's what I had on me. And it lays down there. Some photos don't have it. But – that's part of what got me there. So I, I put it there. Now, some of the photos I've seen where there's 97 sponsors on it, yeah, mm-hmm. that can t- be taken bad for for sure. And so I agree that they should be taken in good taste yeah. um, for sure. But, but I don't getting, think they should go away. Yeah. I, I'm in the same on the same page. And I think I'm looking at it big picture. And I I value Ben's um, – I like – his motives and his idea and what he thinks, how he thinks it should be handled. I flat out and in total agreement with Ben on big picture mm-hmm. tactically, how we execute that exactly. I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced that getting rid of that, that those pictures are, are the answer. Well, I think if you say that hunting show should go away, like if you're mm-hmm. being as black and white as possible, yeah. Yeah. meaning, okay, there shouldn't be any trophy photos. Well, if we if we bow down that much, mm-hmm. then we should shit can hunting shows because it's already bad. And I mean, that's what they are. Yeah, you know, and so we should get rid of those too. And I and, think Ben probably wouldn't disagree, right, with right. some of that. But and and that's the whole point is, all in all, the idea is to be mindful of what you're posting. Well, I think about Donnie Vincent or some of the things you've done. Mm-hmm. It's very tasteful, and it's always I always say Donnie Vinster Brian called the shit out of it. You've made yeah. it into this epic, you know, not as much about the kill, but about and some people don't like those. Frank doesn't like those videos at all. He wants right. to see death, right? Right. But it's hard for even a person that doesn't hunt to watch a video from let's say Donnie and not be kind of overwhelmed in the moment, right? That's why he does them. Like, yeah. He, you know, I mean, for me, I was, you know, watching it, hunting for Bob or whatever. I'm like, how the hell did you make a whitetail hunt like this? You know, he right. made it as epic as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where we're out there and I'm like, I shot a doe, <laughs> you know, whatever. But so the context is correct. But I think that um, I agree with Ben on the PR side of hunting is hurting a little bit. Henry Ferguson's a guy I talked to and he actually messaged, I think, Jordan or you or somebody about the grip and grin thing. And he Henry was just said, you know, I'm going to smile bigger next time. I'm proud of that animal. And mm-hmm. in some ways, I understand where he's coming from. It, it's, there's nothing, he takes tasteful photos. They're good photos. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Now, if Henry drug that animal behind a sign that said High Creek Ranch and what, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't be in agreeing with Henry yeah. so much. But he tells the story and talks about it or whatever else. So it's a little bit different. Um, it was never uh, black and white for me. Yeah. Like, like grip and grin. Uh, it all should go away. It's just not black and white like that. It's, 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 it's post something that tells the story Mm -hmm. in a way that justifies, that shows value for the animal. Yeah. And you, no one can give me shit about this because I wrote an article for Oxlide like five years ago that said, called telling your story that I think it is very important, not only for hunters for you for your family for your kids to see but also for other people to see what you did because it shows you didn't just shoot it and take the horns right. it shows what it took to get there and everything else and and i think that is important but yeah i mean i took a trophy photo behind a doe i'm pregnant to keep taking trophy photos I did too, but in texas <laughs> and it's just it's just 
I, I think sometimes um, people get so defensive mm-hmm. that you can't have a, a discussion. Yeah. And it's like, hey, guys, you know, we, we're actually kind of all on the same page. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can get flack for all kinds of stuff that I say because as I'm shooting a recurve, I'm teaching Frank to shoot far, right? <laughs> right. Or what, whatever. Yeah. Um, as I'm shooting a recurve, if somebody asks me to go on a black gun pig hunt, I probably will be pushing people out of the way to get to the front of the line because <laughs> it is a cool thing. Not great for the public, but yeah. I also won't post it oh, to dude. the public. So, Aaron, I cannot believe I've never hunted pigs before in yeah. my life. When I was in Texas with Sloan, we saw some pigs in a field. That's the first time I've ever seen pigs in the wild. Yeah. Like, they know. can destroy the land. And man, in Texas, those pigs are giant. Yeah. And they are wrecking the place. And yeah. it's like, holy cow, I didn't know that. I mean, I just, there. someone wrote in and said they're echo terrorists, you yeah. know, and they don't belong there and yeah. they're taking over and you see like 20 or 30 piglets come running in and they're just like, and there's corn, there's a corn feeder. We're just there to shoot pigs, yeah. Yeah. you know, and any way possible. What helicopter, machine guns, yeah. corn, get them out of bow there. and arrow, you know, they get them gone and they come in and those things are just like, they're just like they're little devils, little devils. And each one of those are going to grow up and they're going to have little babies. Yeah. 20, 30 of those. And then they're going to have little babies. It's like the, a plague. Yeah. They're on the planet. They're bad. And I mean, when I went on that hunt, I wasn't quite as up on conservation and maybe the perception of hunters and all that, you know, I was young guys just want to kill everything. Yeah. Um, but I saw like the devastating effect they have on land that hasn't been managed. Yeah. And there was no animals left on that land, but pigs, there was no, there was, you know, giant potholes and dug up areas and basically they just destroyed the land. Yeah. And so we, we took care of that problem. So. And pigs are weird, dude. Like not just pigs, but Texas is weird. Like high fence operations all over the place. You're driving around and there's this giant fence. I heard, you know, Renella and, and Ben O'Brien talk about it. Never experienced it for myself. But there's ranch after rent and there's just weird animals in there that aren't native to our country. Yeah. In this $15,000 or 15,000 acre, you know, high fence place. Place we were at was uh, free range. Animals can come and go. But it's covered with exotic animals that that they never put there. Yeah. That got out of fences 20 years ago and wandered around because that's what happens. They yeah. escape and then they breed and they're, I don't, I don't know if you could ever get rid of a lot of these animals that were never endemic to the United States. Yeah. They're completely non-native and they're, they're there now. It's the weirdest yeah, I've messed up down there before. And you have something run by you with horns on its head that you didn't even know what it was. Like I had an ostrich. Dude, the sounds by. they made. Yeah. An yeah. ostrich? Yeah, an ostrich. I shot it. Um, I didn't know what it was at first. I was a peacock, and then I was like, it's an ostrich. Jesus. And then I killed it. Uh, it tasted super good. But, you know, it was the same thing. It was a free range surrounded yeah. by high fence for the most part. And so when stuff gets out, they they get in there. But um, we got to okay. cut this short because right. I got to go to my lessons with senior so I don't have a effed up release hand and have 9,000 <laughs> coaches on Instagram. All right, dude. <laughs> Uh, was it was good. good having you on, man. It's good to catch up. For sure. We need to plan a trip. No, for sure. We'll, we'll talk about this bear hunt. I got to pee first. All right, man. <laughs> Later. <laughs>